You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Welcome to the Week Ahead podcast with Chuck and Rachel. Um, we have had some issues with our recording, so that's why we didn't have a Week Ahead podcast for you guys last week. And then we've had some cancellations with our normal Thursday interviews, so our apologies on that end. Um, we're just uh, having bad luck over here, but we'll figure it out. Um, Chuck, how's hey. your life? Good. How's your life? Um, pretty good. Just soaking up the summer while we still have it. Yeah, we had our last uh our last week of uh of softball last week. Heading into uh into this week there's kind of this void and then we're going to take a vacation and stuff. So, yeah, girls are actually talking about going back to school, which you know, we don't do till after Labor Day, but they're starting to get their you know, their section assignments for the coming year and all that. So, yeah. School supplies. Actually, my wife is like one of those well-prepared people, which is, is good. <laughs> um, so she, yeah, they went out last week when I was, uh, when I was in Bloomington, they went out last week and bought all their school supplies. So yeah, if school started tomorrow, they would be ready, which is kind of scary. So how was that trip to Bloomington? Um, I know you spoke for the historic preservation, uh, commission. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Um, boy, I really like Bloomington. Um, you know, I, I, I hadn't been there before and I thought, I thought maybe I had, but once I got there and started looking around, like I realized like, no, I've never been to this place. Um, fascinating university town. And, you know, as with any university town, uh, a little bit different relationship with the world than a regular city universities, much like the healthcare industry and the military have not really had the kind of really harsh budget constraints that globalization and, you know, budget cuts have, have forced on pretty much everyone else. And so you see this huge, I mean, it manifests in this huge real estate bubble. Uh, they're building luxury condo units for students, like nobody's business. It's kind of crazy actually. And that has a huge effect on affordability. It has a huge effect on, you know, what, what type of labor is available to build other things. It just changes the entire economics of the city. And a lot of it is really good. I mean, the university town is a, is a great gift. I mean, I, I would, I would love to live in a university town. There's something just special about places like that, but it also has this, you know, side effect that they struggle with like everybody else. So it was fun to see it and walk around with them and, and get a real sense of the community. It's a, it's a beautiful city with a lot of great assets. So today you wrote about uh, another housing issue related, um, but this time you're focusing on California. Uh, and this is kind of following a thread of a lot of stuff that you've written over the past several months, including a series about Portland housing um, some conversations about like zoning, up zoning, down zoning, uh, which have been pretty controversial and invited a lot of heated comment sections. Um, so what are your thoughts on this piece? What inspired it? Well, it's funny right now as I'm waiting for you to, uh, to come on and for us to record this, I'm, I'm watching the Twitter feed and, uh, there's a couple, um, uh, Twitter blowing up. Oh, 
Yeah, and just people people are such can be such jerks <laughs> on Twitter. That is true. Here's one guy. Strong Towns is very bad. There was a series about he wrote serious about Portland, but I think he meant series. Uh, about Portland's housing crisis that wasn't even coherent enough to be wrong. <laughs> so okay, um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And then someone Sir. else. Strong towns write some good stuff about infrastructure financing, but dear lord, avoid anything they put up about macroeconomics. Um, I, I'm I'm just I'm. There was an article that a, a friend sent me last week. Um, that talked about basically the the Democrats and Republicans in California are in agreement on two things. First of all, that housing affordability is a huge problem. Like houses, housing prices are way too expensive. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is that the solution to this problem is to build more housing. And the, the only argument they have is how do we go about building more housing? Democrats want to subsidize uh, affordable housing units into existence. Um, and Republicans want to eliminate... Uh, barriers to construction so that more houses can be built more quickly. I, I, I have, I have for a long time felt like this is not simply a supply and demand problem that there's so much more stuff going on here. And, you know, everything from just the money from tech pouring in and, and you know, to, uh, you know, how prop 13 stagnates parts of the housing market and, uh, and, and, creates these weird incentives for other parts. Um, they, you know, I just raised these issues and kind of went through the, uh, the proposals that are making their way through the legislative bodies there and, and discussed why they don't really get at the problem and why I don't think any, you know, anybody's really talking about the problem in the right way. Um, it, it's, I, I think it's, I think it fits and why this article stood out to me is that it fits a left-right political narrative we're very comfortable with. Um, you know, the left narrative is uh, has a lot to do with helping the poor, and you know, the problem is uh, you know greed and large capital, and what we need to do is force developers to uh, you know build affordable units at below cost, and then have other people subsidize that. The, the right of center narrative is that this is just all about government. And if government just gets out of the way, the private sector will solve all of this. And I see a state that just goes, in, in the words of Tomas Sedlicek, just goes from the manic phase to the depressive phase. They're, you know, back and forth, back and forth. They have a, a bipolar disorder in their economy. Um, back in 2008, California was the bus state. I mean, it, Housing prices dropped by like forty percent in a year. It, 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 I was there uh, uh, last year talking to people about this problem, and they were they were convinced that all these people are moving to California, even though you know macro growth rates are not not as not as high as they were in the eighties and early nineties. They're a fraction of that. Uh, they're convinced that you know there just isn't enough housing being built on an annual basis, even though we're building more housing now. Uh, you know, then, then pop, then, then population growth would suggest is needed. There are all these things that just don't make any sense about it. Um, and, and I feel like the state is in many ways, like stuck in this dogmatic left, right paradigm and can't really step back and grasp some of the, the larger things that are affecting housing prices. 
I kind of get the feeling after you've published a number of articles on this topic that uh, some people are also stuck in that left-right paradigm and they're not going to read what you've written and interpret it any differently, even though, you know, you keep talking about it, which is unfortunate. Um, but I think, yeah, some people just have their perspective on how housing and housing affordability issues work and they're not going to change it. I, I realize that too. And I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to believe me or you, you can stick with your dogma. I, it's fine. I just think that uh, if, if we could all agree to, in a sense, step back and remove some of the things that are distorting housing. I mean, uh, obviously in, in California, one of the greatest distortions of housing, there's, there's, there's two that are very unique to California. The first one is the Prop 13 problem. Um, you know, the idea that we would freeze property tax at a, at, you know, at, at a certain spot, allow it to grow slowly and, and not really respond to market conditions is a way to um, kind of blunt the pain of bubbles. It, it blunts the pain of these kind of massive spikes. It also has the side effect of stagnating and basically taking off the, the market uh, a huge amount of property that is not changing hands the way properties normally would in, in a healthy marketplace. It also creates this really weird incentive for local governments to attract new development um, and, and, and do it in just like bizarre ways because then they can tax it fully. And so you look at that and say, all right, this can't be just like a simple supply demand problem. You have all these weird constraints going on. The other thing about California that is very unique is just their, their approach to transportation. And even though you see in other states, uh, you know, transportation systems that are similar, I mean, Texas is in many ways similar to California, although not as mature in terms of its time. Uh, you know, give it another 20 or 30 years and it will be where California is at right now. Florida has a, has a similar pattern, but again, I, I think not quite as mature. California just has this huge kind of legacy cost of the, you know, the way they have built and the way they have developed. And again, getting to our whole Ponzi scheme narrative, <clears throat> it creates these boom and bust. You have this generation of, uh, of prosperity then you have this generation of stagnation and then rapid decline. And, and you can see uh, this happening in a broad scale all across California. Um, you, know, you, you have an economy that is essentially primed to boom and bust very quickly and is not healthy. And, and I, I don't think any of the, uh, you know, the standard dogma approaches on the table are going to do anything about that fact. Do you anticipate a follow-up on this, or do you think this is a one-off? Uh, I hope this is a one-off. I do want to get back. I'm waiting for some data to come in on the, uh, the incremental development uh, front um, mm -hmm. to get back to that series. But um, I'm more asking questions and just pointing out what I think are inconsistencies in the current approach. I mean, I, I went into some detail about the, the subsidy program that is being proposed right now. That is their supposedly the top priority at the legislature. And I mean, it amounts to nothing. I mean, it, it, it doesn't, it's not going to 
change anything for any substantial amount of the population. Um, you know, I, I, it just, it, it won't. And so I, I think the people who are proposing that and, and pushing to go forward with it, I mean, when you're talking about changing uh, housing prices when the median home is over half a million dollars and you're talking about changing it less than a 1% change in interest rates would change it. Um, that, that, that doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a, for the amount of effort and time and, and distortion that you're creating, the upside you're going to get is so nominal. Why do it? Why, why are you going down this route? I, I also think the people who are just the dogmatically let's build, 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 build. And the way we solve all housing affordability problems is just to flood the market with housing. I think are, are not appreciating the fact that California creates these huge bubbles and you know, the, the economics that that viewpoint tends to subscribe to the Austrian economics obsesses about bubbles. And to me, I, I, I think it's incoherent for people who in a macro sense obsess about bubbles uh, and, and really embrace recessions as a way to correct market imbalances uh, are so quick to embrace this as a bubble uh, this bubble as some type of reality uh, that needs to be, you know, defeated by 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 simply creating more supply. To me, there's nothing but price that suggests this is a bubble. Um, I mean, that suggests this is a shortage. Um, clearly, we're building more housing units now than population that's moving to the state of California or, or growing in the state of California. Um, it's just not a convincing argument to me. So one of the other topics that we've been covering um, this week and last week and will continue to cover throughout the month of August is um, food and local food systems, um, which I think is timely for a time of the year when we have, you know, bounteous harvest coming up. Um, and, yeah, I've been interested in these conversations. Max, our colleague, wrote a really interesting series about a supermarket that was, you know, funded to the tune of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars and then failed like a year later. Um, our colleague Michelle wrote a piece about starting her first garden and what she was learned from that. And then I've been conducting a bunch of interviews with farmers and gardeners and getting their perspective. So I'm enjoying that conversation because it's a personal interest of mine. And I think it has some good connections with strong towns and local economies, uh, Local food is an important part of the local economy. So, Absolutely. One of the things that I really value about our house now where we live is that three blocks away is like a corner market. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a gas station and whoever the farmer is just pulls in with a truck and sits there all day. Um, but for me, I can just walk. I mean, I do this all the time, just walk up and get fresh produce um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And it's, it's fantastic. It's really, uh, affordable. It's, it's fresh. I mean, like that, like that day, you know, it's really great mm -hmm. stuff. And, you know, we've been eating, we, we have gotten the CSA here for a long time. I think we're in our fifth year with it, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that comes every other week. This is on demand essentially. And it's fantastic. So I'd like to welcome some new and renewing members to Strong Towns from the last week. Um, David Jacoby of Maplewood, New Jersey, Chris Polk of Vienna, Virginia, Michael Stevenson of Raleigh, North Carolina, John Wallace of Charlotte, North Carolina, and Emily Young of Russellville, Alaska. 
Thank you guys for supporting Strong Towns and welcome to the Strong Towns movement. Yeah, thank you so much. What have you been reading to, uh, reading or listening to lately, Chuck? You know, this week um, I'm going to be heading up to Grand Rapids, Minnesota to record another version of Dig Deep. Um, Dig Deep is, I've had this long-standing relationship with a local radio station, uh, community radio here in, in Minnesota. I did, I was one of their political reporters for years or commentators for years. And uh, they had some, a retirement at the studio and I, I kind of stepped down from that. And they've been asking me to come come back and do some stuff. And so I've been doing this once a month, hour-long Dig Deep program, uh, where mm-hmm. we just talk about a, a different issue. Uh, what kinds talk- of stuff do you talk about? Um, last month was about education. And, uh, mm. you know, we, we talked about everything from bond referendums and where schools are located to uh, to teacher pay and uh, and tenure. Um, we've talked about infrastructure. We've talked about transportation. Um, we've talked about job creation. It, it's it's not really a, a, a politics show, although the the guy that I'm on with, a guy named Aaron Brown, who's been on our podcast before as a guest, is a, a good friend of mine. Um, him and I politically are, tend to be on different sides of the of the of the political spectrum, and so mm-hmm. we do uh, we do enjoy finding areas to agree and and you know places to intelligently uh, offer different opinions. And I think that's kind of the novelty of the of the whole thing. Um, this week we're going to talk about a series of books or the outcome of a series of books. Um, the uh, the Hillbilly Elegy book. Um, Strangers in Their Own Land, the Arlie Rothschild book. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Aaron just finished White Trash, which is a book that I had gone through uh, earlier this year. And he just wanted to talk about the implications of that. The uh, North of me is the Iron Range in Minnesota. And for people who have been with us a while, I remember a couple years ago when we did the, or it was just a year ago, but we did a week up in the Iron Range. Um, it's one of these very deep blue collar kind of places um, that politically has been, uh, you know, shifting uh, uh, lots of union representation, uh, a, a very long here in Minnesota political history uh, with the Democrat farm labor party, uh, a, a deep history of union organizing. Um, but as seen as coal has kind of diminished and, and the mining industry has kind of diminished has seen the fortunes shift. And the books, you know, Hillbilly Elegy, Strange in Their Own Land, and then White Trash, have a lot of applicability to this part of the world. And so we're going to talk about that. So I, I've been actually going over White Trash again. It was probably the uh, the one I went through the quickest and retained the least on. And so I thought I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go through this one again and, and see what I can glean because that's the one Aaron wanted to focus on the most. And do you have any plans of books that you're going to bring on your trip next week? You know what? I usually bring a couple of fiction books. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I have I have not thought about it. I still haven't gotten my Kindle back yet. So the, a, a warning for all you parents out there: when you give your kids something, they they you know if they like it, they won't return <laughs> return it. <laughs> so. Uh, my Chloe is uh, is just devouring books off my Kindle now, and mm. uh, I'm I'm not able to get it back. And I don't know. I mean, 
the thing is, is it's set up so you can just, you know, purchase and download books too. So she may be doing that. I'll get the bill here in a little bit. And where are you guys headed on your vacation? Um, I could tell you, but, uh, if I told you there would be a lot of people there who would want to meet. Oh, okay. Got it. And, um, secret vacation. Well, my wife has made very clear to me, um, and it has reinforced this, that, uh, we are on a family vacation and you will not be, you will not be doing any meeting That's <laughs> with anybody. Idea. No work. So, yeah. Yeah. So I will be, uh, heading East and South of where I am now. And, um, I want my, I want my kids to see one of North America's great cities. And I think they're actually at an age where they can appreciate it and enjoy it. So we're going to fly out on Saturday morning and, and spend a whole week. It's fun just hanging out with them, but I think, uh, to go and, and be able to see the sites that we're going to be able to take in. I, I think, I think they're going to, I think they're at the right age and I think they're going to find it really fun. I think so too. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up for today. Um, and hopefully we'll have some new podcasts, uh, in the works for you guys soon. Although it probably won't be for a couple weeks. I'll try to have Kia on the week ahead Monday podcast next time though, since you're not going to be here. Mix well, it up. I've got one that I'm working on right here. So we'll see okay. um, if I okay, can, cool. if I can get this one done. Uh, it's going to be a little more intricate than normal, but uh, we'll see. All right. Well, let me know if I can help. Thanks, Rachel. All right, everyone. Have a great week and keep doing what you can. Build strong towns. We need your help. If you think the Strong Towns message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org.